and welcome to another episode of the Boys in Red and White podcast. My name is Tom Dow and I'm joined as always by my best friend Andre Grayson. Hello Mr Dow. Hello Mr Grayson and it is a pleasure to be reporting on this podcast after yet another win. It's four wins on the bounce now. Absolutely, absolutely. Uh, where, I mean, how long can this go on? Much to be discussed. What a, what a, time, to be, uh, what a time to be an Arsenal fan again. <laughs> football does change very very quickly <laughs> um, but before we discuss all things to do with the uh, the FA Cup uh, what we need to talk about is our weekly commentary quiz now this week we're doing things slightly differently because later on in the podcast we will have a special commentary quiz entry um, for a shirt giveaway which we're really excited about running but first we need to do our traditional commentary quiz uh, where each of us selects a piece of commentary and read it to the other person with no emotion or context, and the other person has to try and guess what that commentary is. So, Andre, I believe it's your turn to go first this week. It is, it is. Okay. What a goal. The master does it again. That is magnificent. Oh, I, I, <laughs> I know it's Henri. Yes, it is. Oh, this is this is doing me in. My mind has gone. Would you totally like? Blind. Would you like? I feel like when I announced it was Bill Leslie last week, you were you, <laughs> you not only enjoyed that, but um, this was Alan Parry. And I'll read it again. Maybe I'll try and uh, mimic him in his gladiator commentary style. Uh, what a goal! The master does it again. That is magnificent. <sighs> Would you like would you like the commentary that precedes this? Yes, please. Okay. Fabregas, here he is. Back again to Thierry Henry. What a goal. The master does it again. That is magnificent. Oh, I, this is so annoying because I, I can hear it. I could hear the commentary when you were saying it. Oh, I don't know why I can't okay. get this. I'll, I'll explain the goal and you'll get it. It goes off the crossbar and in. We had 10 men. Oh, Blackburn away. <laughs> Blackburn away. What, what, a, what a goal. What a counter-attack. I believe uh, Colo Torre scored in that game as well, didn't he? I think so. I think so. Gilberto got sent off, I believe. He did. He yeah. did. And then I think we, we scored both goals with 10 men. Um, oh, those but, were the days. The second goal, it, it, it's just such an incredible goal because it was just two players on their own. Uh, piecing that together, they had no support from anyone else, and it was a lovely little ball um, from Fabregas into the path of Omri. And what a hit! What mm. a hit! And then he, he did that nonchalant celebration, like, "Yeah, I know I'm great," like he like he so often did. Um, but tremendous, tremendous strike. I'm really disappointed with how long it took me to get that, and how many clues I had to be given to to prompt that. Because I, the amount of times I've watched that goal. Um, disappointed but we got there in the end <laughs> we did we did one of my favorites yeah it's uh but also uh, crossbarring in is just it's the sort of stuff you dream of really uh, the clank of the crossbar and then the the sort of drama of it smacking the bar and going down straight into the net is always adds uh adds a lot of value to a goal for me it does, and I think one of my favourite clanks of a crossbar, as you so so eloquently put it, uh, Van Persie's free kick at home Sunderland. to Sunderland. Yeah, 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. One of the best. <laughs> one of the best ever. I felt like it was going to break the crossbar in half. <laughs> Love it. Okay. Well, the advanced player here, other than Henri, for Arsenal is Fabregas. And here he is. Back again to Thierry Henri. What a goal! The master does it again. That is magnificent. That's just come about from a Blackburn free kick in the final third. And that's how devastating this Arsenal team can be. I'm ready. Eduardo's done brilliantly. Oh, it's a magnificent goal. Does he score it? He does score it, yes. Oh, is it against Sheffield United? It is not. Okay. Um... Is it is it his is it his uh, backheeled effort against? But is there any more commentary? I probably need another extra bit of quiz here. Uh, help, clue. I'll describe part of the goal. Oh yeah, okay. Uh, so so the start of the goal uh, begins with Goa Cliche on the left hand side lofting a ball towards the box. West Ham. No. Oh. Oh. Bentner tries to flick it on. <laughs> No, do you know what? I know I'm not going to get this. I don't think I've got it in the locker. I can't picture this goal at all. Uh, it is Eduardo's second goal against Everton in a 4-1 win. Oh, we were terrible that day. Um, First half particularly, we were dreadful. That game sticks out to me. I went to, uh, we had Sevilla away in the, it was the last group game. And I went to it and we went 1-0 up. Uh, and then we lost, and we'd been on such a good run, um, and Sevilla absolutely dominated us second half and beat us. Then we had a terrible half against Everton, and it felt like the world was collapsing. Uh, and then, yeah, then that turnaround was quite magnificent. Oh, that goal is lovely. I think at the time, I, 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 I'm assuming this is still the record, but I think at the time that was the longest we'd gone unbeaten in all competitions up to the Sevilla game. So I think that's when, uh, obviously, that record got uh, ended at yes. Sevilla. But uh, Eduardo scored in that one as well, didn't he? Yes. He yes. He did. He did. Clichy. Bentner got a touch. Eduardo is there. Eduardo's done brilliantly. Oh, it's a magnificent goal. Eduardo has taken this game by the scruff of the neck. And he's turned it right back in Arsenal's favour. Two goals from Eduardo in the space of 11 minutes. And this is an absolute peach. OK, so lovely. Two, two goals and two, two quite different struggles. Um, <laughs> I think, I think you, you gave me a lot more to play with, with your description than, uh, than I gave you. Um, but that, I, I did know that was going to be a tough one. Um, you did. It was a tough one. Okay, so moving on, um, we beat Newcastle United 2-0 in the FA Cup third round after extra time on the weekend. And it's a game that probably won't stick long in the memories for quality, but it is a game that we ultimately won and we continue our, our four-game um, winning streak now. So that was a, that was a real positive. Uh, Andre, what was your first thoughts on, uh, on the game? Yeah, I mean, I think it was um, 
it was an interesting game, wasn't it? I mean, we could have lost it towards the end of normal time. I know we've got them in a couple of weeks and I'm so superstitious that I don't, I sort of don't want to say this out loud, but Newcastle are, are really not a good team. Um, They're not. <laughs> they, they were also, they were also missing a few players. Whenever you see Andy Carroll in a lineup, um, you know, you're always worried because he's got, he's got quite a lot of history with us. Um, I think my overriding emotion from the game was about our squad, actually. And that people who were given a chance, they didn't blow it. But what they showed is probably why we are where we are. Because when um, the substitutions came on and each one influenced the game in a different way, you saw their qualities above and beyond what had played, um, what had gone before them, if you like, and who had played in the in the first 90 minutes, more or less. Uh, and I thought some of the changes were were really interesting, especially the order of them. And I just think, yeah, I just think it shows the quality we've got in a first eleven, but not much behind it. Yeah, I think that's a really fair summary of uh, of things because if we look at players like and I know we're gonna we're gonna touch on uh, players like Joe Willock and Reese Nelson um, shortly, um, but we look at William being asked to play in that central role, and obviously he's not really done it in an Arsenal shirt at all and we can talk about that till till the cows come home but he didn't really take his chance he didn't it felt like Pepe had moments where he looked like he might do something but again it didn't quite work um so that was another frustrating one um and as you say it was the substitutions that really made the difference and I think from my perspective the the, the one that really made the difference was bringing on Granite Xhaka for Joe Willock because I thought as soon as he came on, he controlled the pace of the game. Um, he was quite proactive with his passing as well. Rather than passing backwards, he was trying to put, play those forward passes, which we saw for the second goal. And it was just an example of, of why Granite Xhaka still gets into this Arsenal side, because it doesn't really matter if we think he's good enough long-term. At the moment, he gets into this Arsenal eleven because he offers something and a bit more stability that other players don't, don't give us. So I thought that was interesting. And obviously, if we touch on Emil Smith-Rowe again, which I know we spoke about him in quite a lot of detail last week, but again came on. I, I, I didn't actually think when he came on, um, he I don't think he played at, as well as he has in recent weeks. I thought his touch was a bit off at times. But what was noticeable was the, the vast difference between him playing in that number 10 role and William playing in that number 10 role because he was trying things... Uh, on the front foot. He was trying to play passes around the corner. Um, he was always on the turn. He was working hard and he was just occupying that area, which we've spoken about before, that other players in this squad just don't do. So even without having the best game ever, he still played a really important role. And then obviously into extra time, I thought the the goal the goal was superb from Emil Smith-Rowe. Um, Obviously, the ball's come in and then he's sort of recovered it and got the ball back into Lacazette. Um, and when Lacazette has then managed to knock it onto Smith-Rowe, I thought the acceleration and the drive from Smith-Rowe to get into that position to, to, to have a chance of scoring a goal is exactly what we've been missing all season. Mm. So it was a, a really fantastic moment. And it's just it's so lovely to see one of our own doing it on the big stage, so to speak. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I, I was so happy when he scored, especially after the red card, because the emotion 
he must have gone through when that red card was brandished, which was just never a red, ever. Um, bizarre to give that a red, but anyway, that's what that's what VAR is for. We won't go. We don't need to go into into that now. But yeah, but the thing was, I think what's so interesting for me when he took that on his chest, you knew it was a goal, and I don't think I feel like that with many other Arsenal players. Uh, and to have that. He just looks like he's going to score. He looks like he's going to make something happen. And I agree with you. You know, he didn't He didn't have an amazing game, but what a finish. It was a seriously good finish. Um, and the yeah. potential in that man is just, um, is thrilling. It's thrilling. I agree with what you said about Xhaka as well. You know, we've got a long way to go as a team to get back to where we, you know, want to be in the Champions League at a minimum. And he probably isn't a Champions League player, but he certainly, when he has options buzzing around him, can look extremely good and make a big difference. You know, when uh, what I thought he quickened our play, which is strange because this Granite Xhaka slowed our play down so significantly uh, earlier in the season that to see him, he fizzed a pass into Smith Row round a couple of players. And I was like, where has that been? This he's just <laughs> had no one to pass to. Or if he's been passing it, it's to Lacazette who holds it up and rolls it back to him. And we start again. And the difference having Smith Row there um, is is enormous, is enormous. And, and, you know, comparatively to someone else in our academy, because I think it'd be useful to compare and contrast, I thought Joe Willock actually... Today, today, sorry, on on Saturday, I thought he showed that he really is an Arsenal quality because I just don't know what he is at this point. And we've watched him probably get close to 100 appearances for Arsenal. He can't play in that number 10. He can't really play in midfield. Um, he's not got the technical security. He's just legs. And I, I think... I just felt we really saw that we have moved a long way away from that in such a quick space of time. But yeah, I think he particularly um, found his limits. He did, and it's it's always tough with with academy graduates because you desperately want them to do well. You really want them to to step up and make it. And I obviously youngsters are always afforded so much more time than than senior players because of that very fact. And he just couldn't get anything going. He, like as you say, he he has legs. We know that. We know he can run run all day, but technically he's not he's not good enough. Uh, he lost the ball so many times with loose passes, mm. um, and you you just saw the difference between a player that is ready to play at this level or or capable of playing at this level in Emil Smith Rowe, and a player who's just who is just not not at that level and, and probably is not going to be good enough to play play for Arsenal. Um, I I think if, if anyone needs a loan, it's probably him. I mm. don't think he's got got particular long term future at Arsenal, but I don't think we're going to know that until he has a run of games somewhere. Um, whether that means going to um, a division down, or or if he if he could get a loan to a Premier League club, then then great. But he he needs to be playing, I think, and um, I, I wouldn't be surprised at all if Arsenal do that in the window. Yeah. The the other player that obviously I, I did sympathise with him a little bit because obviously Reese Nelson has been out with uh with a bit of an injury recently, and he was forced back into the situation because of the uh, the late injury to Gabriel Martinelli, and. He started brightly with that early shot, but then never really got into the game after that, which was a, 
a bit disappointing for Reese Nelson. And, I, and I, he, he's another one where we, I don't think we really know what his limits are. I don't think we really know if he's got the capabilities of playing at this level. We've seen him do in, in the Europa League, but not really consistently in the Premier League or in um, in, in the domestic cups. So mm. he's one that I'm... I, I, I am, I'm worried about his development because obviously he keeps getting little niggling injuries um, and not being able to sort of force his way in. And, and you look at the players ahead of him in Bukayo Saka, Gabriel Martinelli, um, presumably Nicola Pepe. Uh, we know Arteta it will, will continue to persist with Williams. So there's a lot of players in front of someone like Reese Nelson. And now Emil Smith-Rowe who can play in those wide areas as well. Not not that we would want him to play in those areas mm. uh, based on what we've seen. But I think he's another one that probably needs a loan, if I'm honest. Yeah, I, I, I agree. I agree. But again, you know, if we can use them to leverage a deal, uh, you know, in our favour, as I said last week, then... I'd hope so. What I felt with Nelson, you know, it's only, well, it's not it's not quite a year ago, but close enough where he he, he uh, got that finish against Leeds that was a very scuffed finish, and I thought that could be a real turning point for him. And it's it's crazy to think that was a year ago now. It feels like another lifetime that Reese Nelson goal. Um, but I, I just feel as though he lacks that end product, and it's very Iwobi. You know, where actually he does a lot of things really well. But the reason Iwobi didn't make it at Arsenal was because actually when it came down to it, to to go where we want to go... Um, you really do need that end product. And, and you know, look, it's fine. It's fine. It's, it's really hard because they're academy kids and we want them to work more than anything. Um, but look, if we take Saka, Emil Smith-Rowe and Ainsley Maitland-Niles, then fantastic. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think um, I was... Uh, I was delighted we got through that, especially going through extra time. Um, I was I was really concerned Tierney was playing all of it, and then in the whatever it is, hundred eighteenth minute, there he is squaring for for a Bamiyang. Um, and, <laughs> and yeah, I wanted to ask you, you know, how important you think that goal was for for our friend, uh, our captain Pierre? I think it's I think it's massive. Um, uh, he's been obviously struggling in recent weeks, but we've been winning. So you kind of um, put that argument to one side. But I think he needed that moment. He needed that goal. And what I loved about it is that we produced the sort of moments that he thrives on. If you produce that sort of service, he will score goals. doesn't matter um, what sort of form he's in. He'll always get into those attacking positions and he'll score those sorts of chances. And it's worth, worth sort of noting that we're starting to create those opportunities for him again. I'm thinking back to the Brighton game when he had that chance that was um, rolled across that was uh, mm. somehow saved. Um, and I'm thinking in the West Brom game, although he didn't have an opportunity quite like that, he was still in and around. He had a few attempts on goal. So he's starting to get back into those positions again. Um, and I didn't again, I didn't think he was particularly good against Newcastle. He didn't, he didn't really show us much in that in that leading role and ironically I thought he was better when he moved out to the left-hand side when Lacazette came on mm-hmm. um, and I think he's so much more so much more difficult for opponents to to mark him when he does that because he naturally drifts in towards the center and then by doing that he creates space for other players and he creates that opportunity and it's no surprise that Tierney was then played in down the left-hand side after Aubameyang had vacated that space so 
it, it, it's a massive goal. It is a massive goal. No, only time will tell how significant that is for his confidence. But I think we saw a player, particularly in the West Brom game, that was frustrated um, that others were scoring and he wasn't. Um, so hopefully now he can really kick on in, in in the coming games, starting on the on Thursday against Palace. Yeah, I think it's. I agree. I think he was smiling again. You know, and I know it's. Uh, an intangible, but having a player who's so happy, he loves goals, right? I just think he loves scoring goals. I don't think you need to read too much into body language or anything like it. We will, for us to achieve anything, and, I, and you know, I'm even talking to have a really nice finish or to have games that aren't too frustrating. We need Yang scoring goals and finding that space. Um, and I think one of the things that I took is when Lacazette has that player running in behind him and when Yang's there on the left, we suddenly look a very threatening team. And Tierney can play on that whole left side by himself. He doesn't need any help, that's for sure. Um, yeah. We need to look after him big time. And that's a, that's a concern for me. But neither here nor there right now. I mean, he really can look after that whole left-hand side by himself. And that frees up Aubameyang to get in the middle on the end of those wonderful crosses he, he puts in, uh, Tierney puts in. And uh, I think that's really what will make us a bit of a force, I hope, going forward and how we can attack teams in different ways. Because I think that's been one of the challenges is when Aubameyang, you know, he doesn't contribute anything in build-up. It's so funny, isn't it? We talked having him number nine, having him on the left, having him on the right. You know, he's just not a good player in build-up, really. He's not, for someone who can finish for fun, technically he's bang average as a, as a footballer. And Aubameyang, if he doesn't score, he doesn't have a good game. He's just one of those players, and I don't think you can have that as your your number nine and focal point. But great to see him score, and and uh, fingers crossed. Talking of scoring, because um, you you mentioned his name a couple of times, but do you do you think Willian will score <laughs> this season? I I don't look at him playing and imagine him getting into a situation where he will. <laughs> <laughs> but also, even if he does, like that left footed chance, I just can't picture him scoring. No, no. Like, obviously, he got the opportunity and instantly, like you say, you don't expect the net to bulge. You didn't think for a second he was going to finish that off. Um, everything looks hard work for him at the moment. Um, I, I, it's, 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 it's really tough because I just, we obviously, we want him to do well. But I think he's at a point now where I, I don't think it really matters what he does. And I think there's, there's, there's so many people who, because of what that transfer represents and about his agent and about the inflated salary that he's going to be on, I don't think it will, will matter how well he plays because I think people are just, just finished with him already, which is a, a, a sad situation considering he's going to be with us for another two and a half years. Yeah. Um, but... Uh, he, he needs something. He, need, he needs an assist or he needs a goal or he needs just a performance just to get some confidence back. Um, mm. But at the moment, um, the youngsters have made it so that he, he he doesn't get into this team. And at the start of the season, there was sort of no question into every game that we knew that Arteta was going to pick Willian. And now, unless he's rotating, you don't look at it and think he can. So on on Thursday we'd fully expect Saka to be out on the right, Aubameyang on the left, and probably Lacazette down the middle with Mill Smith Rowe behind him, which mm. means there isn't a starting berth for for Willian anymore. So that's that's positive, but it's it's not positive to have a player on such a high salary performing the way he is. Um, 
I saw a, a really good tweet where someone said, uh, you do have to feel for him because he's having to uh, adapt to a new city, a new league. <laughs> he's, he's, he's not he's not got any Brazilians to talk to. Uh, <laughs> and it, it just it really made me laugh because it just it, it's such a damning sort of situation of what, what he is in at the moment. Um, what do you think about him for the rest of the season? It's so hard because, I, you know, there was... Um some discussion about, you know, when he had that chance against West Brom, people saying, I don't want him to score because I don't want Arteta to play him. What I'd really like is the Willian that was basically Chelsea's best player last season, who only six months ago was scoring from set pieces, was scoring from range, was assisting, was beating men on the inside, on the outside for fun. That's the player I'd quite like. And I don't have, you know, some, I agree with you. Look, there's, there's other elements um you know that, that that come into play with this deal that make it uh, unpleasant but I just the thing is the reason I asked you is I don't think he'll score this season and no. he's one of our attackers who's played many minutes and I, I just can't picture that goal and w- when I saw the FA Cup draw where we could get Southampton and Wolves that hardly said to me well maybe he'll get one against the lower league team you know <laughs> we needed surely for him, didn't we? We did need surely. <laughs> but that's why, you know, but also it feels at this point that one goal won't be enough. And because he's not no. a striker, he's not going to be getting on the end of chance after chance after chance. So I just really think we're in a position now where, you know, we are almost at the point of no return. I don't think we'll be stuck with him for the three years because he must be hating this as well. Sometimes it's a bad fit, you know. And yeah. look, we could argue that Pepe's maybe a bad fit. I don't think we need to get into that today. Um, but you know, he, he just doesn't look like he'll ever score a goal for Arsenal football club. And it would be quite amazing for a player to come in who's premier league ready to play in a forward position and not score would be phenomenal. (laughs) What what I thought when we got him, I thought at the very least we're getting someone who can take a pretty consistent and special set piece. (laughs) Yeah. And then the free kick that he took on the weekend oh. was nothing. No, it was just it was nothing. It, it, it didn't. It, there was no conviction. You didn't think he was going to even. You didn't think he was going to kick the ball hard enough for it to reach the goal. <laughs> no, but he does. He does look bereft of. At this point, he looks bereft of confidence. Um, and I won't go as far as saying I feel sorry for him, but he does look broken um, as as a player who's been in the Premier League, won the Premier League. Uh, He looks a shadow of that player. Yeah, and there you have it, folks. Six months at Arsenal, and that's what he does to you. (laughs) (laughs) A broken individual. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, he is. But uh, let's talk about someone who's holding it together uh, and has got a long-term deal, I think. Oh, well uh, done. Thank you. Well done. Thank you. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, what did you you make of the news for... Uh, do we know the length of? Um... We do. It's to, it's it's to twenty twenty four, with right. the option of a, of an extra year as well. So, um, it, it to me it made perfect sense. Um, I remember we spoke a couple of weeks ago on the podcast about our right hand side and how we didn't feel that our right hand side was up to the level of our left hand side. And since then, Rob Holding has been exceptional. Mm. He's been really really solid. Um, and I think it's a no brainer because if you look at the summer. You've got uh, Mustafi going, you've got Socrates definitely going. They, they may or may not happen in January. Uh, and you've got David Luiz, who's going to be out of contract. So you've got three centre-halves that are going to be leaving the club. 
And what you don't want to happen in the summer, we don't want another summer when we've got loads and loads and loads of business to do in loads of different positions, particularly with the financial restraints that the COVID no doubt will, will still be forcing upon our football clubs. So we need to make sure with that. So that from that regard, it makes sense. He's 20, is he 25? I think he is. Yeah. Um, so he's 25 years old. So he's still coming into his prime. And he's a player that you put him into the team and you know that he's not going to let you down. He's not going to um, throw, throw in a, a sh- if it's a shocking performance, he's not going to be down to, to a lack of effort. Um, so from that regard, I think it protects him as an asset. I'm sure he's not going to be on a stupid salary. Um, you never know with Arsenal. He might be on 300 grand a week, but I doubt it. But I think it, I think it's a good move. I think it make, makes sense. What about you? It's a no-brainer, isn't it? I, I saw some people getting frustrated. Um, but we, we're going to improve as a club or, or re-establish ourselves incrementally. And having professionals like Rob Holding, sure. No, it's not Sol Campbell and Colo Torre there. It's Rob Holding and Pablo Marie. But that's where we are right now. And they're actually doing really well as a pair and a really nice balance. Why wouldn't you keep him? I think the fact he's English as well in, in the current climate, everything going on... Um, Brexit wise, but also in in the new uh, well, they're not that new anymore. The rules with foreigners, yeah, you've got to have someone like that. And I look at um, Pablo Marie and Rob Holding as very the same thing. Is that they should be our backup centre halves who are very capable of filling in, despite there being a top centre half in front of them. And I think both yeah. of them are like that. I remember on one of the first pods we did for this season, banging on about Pablo Marie. You know why we did that deal when we're signing Gabriel. Well, look at how well Pablo Marie is playing. And he is someone who's ready to play. Sure, he might not be a top four um, quality centre-half, but he's certainly good enough to come in and do a great job on the left side of this uh, central defence. Yeah, um, and obviously we've spoken in the podcast before about about me being a centre-back in my my Sunday league days. but I am really enjoying both of them. Um, Pablo Mari, uh, I think when he came into the Chelsea side, we were we were both a little bit nervous about that. And he had a few iffy moments, we look, especially the penalty, when he looked absolutely exhausted. But since then, he's hardly put a foot wrong. He's been excellent since then. Um, and I, it's no surprise that we've um, tightened up at the back with those two playing alongside each other. What will be interesting... Uh, is on Thursday if Gabriel comes straight back in or if Arteta persists with Rob Holding and Pablo Mari because ultimately neither one of them have done anything anything to warrant losing their place. What I am happy about is that we are in a position now where we have those three centre-backs and really you don't have a need to be playing players like Mustafi. You don't have a need to be rotating um, in the Premier League with David Luiz coming in. You've got these three players that should be ahead of those, um, so that's 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 a real positive from my perspective. But I I I, I think all, all of a sudden the Pablo Marie deal looks like a really shrewd bit of business for what we paid for him. Yeah, um, I've seen something to say that we have to pay. I, I think it's a million euros or something for every ten appearances he makes up to eighty appearances. So if he plays on Thursday, we'd have to pay another million or something. So. Um, I don't know how much truth is in that, but that 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 seems like a, a fair a fair way that something might be structured. Um, but yeah, really really positive about both of them. Yeah, yeah, no, absolutely. I think the point you make about 
um, Thursday is an interesting one because everything tells me against a attack uh, of the uh, tricky Zaha Eze Eze uh, Townsend. Um, you know, tells me that Gabriel is much more suited than Pablo Marie, but he does read the game fantastically and it would be incredibly harsh to drop him. But, you know, we'll see. We'll see. It will be a real... T- it will prove Arteta's got a real meritocracy if Marie plays. Um, but if it doesn't, it means he really believes in Gabriel's quality. So it will be very interesting either way. Um, and as long as we win, I don't care what he does. Um, yeah. No, all, all good things. And actually, central defence... Uh, all of a sudden, whilst I think we can upgrade, and, and at some point down the track, it'd be interesting to talk about someone like Callum Chambers and whether he is going to be included in this. And of course, we've got Saliba and Mavropanos for next season. But I think we can we can park that for now. Just know that, uh, yeah, we're on the right path. Talking of um, defenders we uh, weren't overly enamoured with, I mentioned on the pod last week that if Schalke go on a winning run... <laughs> With side Kalasnic. So we will be keeping you kept up to date on here with Schalke's progress. And of course, they gained their first win of the season on his, de- uh, in his on his second debut for the club. Um, they won 4-0. So that's a clean sheet there with a back four with Kalasnic in it. They won 4-0, having not won all season. Um, and Kalasnic yeah. played a stormer. <laughs> yeah, it's... Uh... <laughs> I couldn't believe what I was reading when uh, I, I knew that Schalke had been in a dreadful form recently. I didn't realise that that is their first win in 31 games. <laughs> so it's it's amazing the impact of a player on loan from Arsenal Football Club. Look, for every for every Willian, there's a Kalasinac. There you go. <laughs> Now, it is competition time. So, the moment that people have been waiting for and clamouring for in uh, preparation for listening to this podcast, we are going to be giving away a brand new Arsenal shirt and we will be happy to post this anywhere in the world, so don't worry about where you live. Um, And we are going to do a special commentary quiz um, to decide the winner of that. So... In a second, Andre is going to read out a piece of commentary for us. And all you need to do to have a chance of winning is email your answer about what goal that is uh, into boysinredpodcast at gmail.com. I will read that later and obviously we'll, we'll add that into all our social media channels as well. But it's boysinredpodcast at gmail.com. So Andre, would you like to read... The first competition piece of commentary of the Boys in Red and White podcast history. Uh, I certainly would, Tom. That was quite a quite a build up. Okay, here we go. It is. He may be cast in bronze, but he's still capable of golden moments. And what we want is we want the player that scored it and the opposition. Bonus point for a year, um, but but it won't impact who who gets chosen in the draw. Um, Tom, I, I, I just wanted to ask you, would you pick, I know you've probably got them all, but would you pick home, away or third here? I would uh, certainly narrow it down between home and third. Um, I'm not a big lover of the away shirt, um, but home or third, I think both of them are quite nice kids. So uh, so someone is, uh, we obviously, we'll be happy to um, 
provide any of the three shirts, um, depending on what your preference is. Um, but a really good opportunity for someone to get uh, their hands on a brand new Arsenal shirt. So that leaves us with the matter of discussing uh, goals from years gone by. Now, ordinarily, we select a shirt and we base our goals around that season. This week, we're going to do it slightly differently and we are going to talk about goals that have occurred in the FA Cup third round. So we've had some real classics over the years, um, but first this week is going to be myself and the goal that I am going to select is actually Thomas Rosicki's first at Liverpool in the FA Cup third round. Um, what I love about this goal is that it's just vintage Arsenal. Hleb steals the ball back inside our own half and then it's all about the, uh, the off-the-ball movement. Uh, Gilberto picks the ball up and plays a really super ball through to Rosicki, which completely dissects the Liverpool midfield uh, before a neat exchange of passes on the right-hand side between Rosicki and Hleb. Rosicki then picks up a wonderful position just outside the edge of the box by holding his run and three or four Liverpool players run straight past him because they're not even paying attention to what he's doing. Um, Hleb picks him out uh, on the edge of the box and Rosicki lofts a delightful shot over the goalkeeper and puts Arsenal 1-0 uh, up in the cup tie. And it's just defence to attack in a matter of seconds, which is just of the time, that was vintage Arsenal. And that's what I love about that goal. Um, it, it's it's just a lofted finish, which which the goalkeeper has no chance with. But I think that was obviously during Rosicki's first season in the 06-07 campaign. And it really showed what a uh, what a player we had um, in terms of those attacking positions. And it's just, it's so polar opposite to what we've experienced so far this season, because it's it's players who were intelligent around the edge of the box and occupying different spaces, regardless of the fact that he started in the left in on the, on the left hand side. He would still drift in and create those opportunities from central positions. So, really, really fantastic, um, fantastic goal. And obviously, we went on to uh, to win that game three one. Um, Andre, what are your memories of that goal? Oh, I mean, it was one of those. We were often criticised in those days of uh, walking the ball in the net, as uh, I believe the IT crowd jested. Um, but uh, I think uh, I, it was the strike for me. I, I agree. I think you described the move beautifully. The way he loops that goal over Rayner is outstanding. Um, and, you know, and he, he had a bit of a history with the third round, as it were. But it was such a, an important game at the time as well, having you know, Anfield away, third round of the cup is, you know, that is not what you want. But actually for us to deliver and produce such a spectacular start to the game, um, it was just an absolutely stunning goal. And he had such a great strike on him, scored so many great goals for us over the years. And that was that was definitely one. Yeah, and then three days later, we went up to Anfield again, and we beat them six three in the uh, in the in the League <laughs> Cup. So uh, it was a it was a good week for us uh, us going to Anfield. Yeah, I don't, uh, think, I don't think we'll be winning there six three anytime soon. Uh, no, I, I'm not sure we'll be winning there anytime soon. Let alone by six goals. Having said that, we beat we beat them on penalties this That's season. True. That is, oh <laughs> so, my goodness, I forgot about that. That was so long ago. Yeah. 
Yeah, so neglect everything I just said. Uh, we will win 6-3 next season. <laughs> <laughs> Amazing. Okay, Andre, do you want to tell me your first goal from uh, your FA Cup third round memories? Yes, and it's also from that game, uh, which is Thierry Henry, 83rd minute. It was, uh, so so Rosicki has, has scored a second goal. Liverpool pulled one back. And then Thierry Henry did something you don't really see outside of a playground. Um he knocks the ball 30, 40 yards into Liverpool's half towards the uh, near touchline as the camera as the camera looks at the pitch. Carragher has comfortably 10 yards on him, comfortably. I think Henri had been out injured as well. So this was a, a bit of a comeback trail. And he runs past Carragher like he's not there, beats him by the touchline, cuts in, beats another man, and he, he strikes a fairly um, tame shot past Reina in fairness, but it was still a really good finish. But it was just that pace and that excitement and that, you know, how can a professional footballer do that to another footballer? And I quite like Jamie Carragher as a pundit now, but I did not like him as a player, I can confirm. And watching uh, Al Mantieri absolutely rinse him for pace was just magnificent. And again, it was 3-1, 83rd minute, game over. Cup tie done. We're progressing at Anfield. It was absolutely sensational. I haven't seen sort of that. I have never seen a goal like that before or since, really, where it's just... Honestly, you used to do that. If you were playing a, a child two years younger than you, that's what you did. You knocked it long <laughs> and just sprint past them like they're not there. It was sensational. Yeah, and I, I remember about that goal as well, that uh, the, the commentator sounds shocked that Henri's beating him. He just goes, oh, he's beating Carragher. <laughs> and it's one of those moments that it, it makes no sense that, that Henri was able to score that goal, but ab- absolutely incredible, uh, incredible moment. And what I, I love the celebration as well, where he just ran away cupping his ear and then rounding towards the, the away end. Mm. Um, it's just a classic Henri, it really was. Yeah, for sure. Okay, so that brings me on to my second choice. So my second choice is a North London derby third round classic and it is Santi Cazorla putting us 1-0 up uh, in that game. Um, Now, I'm going to preface this by saying I hate everything about them. I know every Arsenal fan does, but I absolutely despise that football club. (laughs) Um, And on Sunday, when they played Marine... And uh, I was speaking to my mum about that game. She was she was basically saying to me, oh, isn't it? It's lovely that such a small club's playing a big team. And I then spoke at length about why Tottenham were not a big team. <laughs> Your mum must have been so pleased she made that she comment. Was, she was delighted. And obviously what she was saying was the context of that game in relation to Marine FC. And I wasn't having any of it. I just said, no, no, they're not a big club. And I gave her a load of reasons why they're not a big team. Um, anyway, going back to the actual goal that we're speaking about. So this game was special for me, not only because we beat them. It's not even because we progressed in the cup, but it's because it meant that their best chance of winning a trophy was dead for another season before they'd even started dreaming of it. And that's what's so fantastic about when you knock out a team in the third round, particularly if it's your rivals. It's great that you're winning. It's wonderful that you're setting yourself up, hopefully, for a for long um, and victorious cup run. But it's also crushing other teams and other, other clubs' spirits. And that's what we did that day. Um, 
So the goal was all about Serge Gnabry driving through the, the heart of the Tottenham team, which obviously we spoke about him last week. And he then passes the ball perfectly through to Santi Cazorla and allows a Spaniard to simply drive the ball home in front of the travelling scum. Um, I love that goal and I hate those scumbags. <laughs> Amazing, amazing. That was uh, that was beautiful. Yeah, it was Theo up top that day as well. I mean, infamous now for him holding up the 2-0 symbol on uh, on the stretcher. Little did we know then he'd done his ACL and probably ended his Arsenal career. So, uh, karma's uh, <laughs> much I don't like to say it, karma is uh, a bit of, uh, you know, was, was in play. But yeah, it was fantastic. And also the fact they had that end. One of the things I love about the cup games at the Emirates, and it, it can hurt, you know, we've talked about limbs, but when uh, I particularly like it, I remember Leeds going 1-0 up against us when they were in League One, and they yeah. had that end, and it went ballistic. And when they have that whole end, it does look um, it does look remarkable. Um, and the fact we denied them that and scored in front of them was just beautiful. And they went into that game favourites, as they so often do against us. You know, because they're the darlings of, of England for some reason, because of uh, good old uh, Dopey Mouth. Um, although I don't think he was quite playing for them then. He was off uh, yeah, I think dribbling was on a bench somewhere in the championship. <laughs> um, but um, the second goal in that game as well, uh, from big uh, TR7 as well, running away from... Uh, was it Danny Rose? It was Danny Rose, wasn't it? It was, yes. Who uh, couldn't happen to a nicer fullback. Um, uh, that actually, I tell you what, that game particularly felt like it was laced with so much revenge, and it was a real cathartic win as well because Danny Rose hit that goal that was a complete freak, and they somehow beat us in recent years. For him to make a mistake that led to us winning was just um, magnificent. It really was. It really was. Okay, Andre, would you like to tell us about your second choice? Yes, I, 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 I uh, I've got one that actually relates to a little bit about university, where, where of course we met. And um, this was a game I actually watched in halls uh, on a TV I had provided that was one of those like big back TVs uh, <laughs> that we just had there, and I'd, I'd wired in our uh, terrestrial TV, and we had West Ham and. On our uh, at uni, there was quite a lot of West Ham fans as well. So the West Ham game suddenly meant a lot, and I think had we already played them and drawn two all as well. Yes, yeah, and Alessandro Diamanti equalised, and I was in uh, the Eagle in Eastbourne, um, and there was the mouthiest West Ham fan. You wanted to hit him, but of course I was eighteen and. Um, Sales weedy was uh, an understatement. Uh, he, <laughs> he would have beaten me up so easily. It would have been. But anyway, you know where I just couldn't take it. He wasn't a proper fan. He was just there to wind you up. Yeah. And and, and when we didn't beat them, I this fury about West Ham, um, which I don't really have because I quite like West Ham. But it, I, I had it in this game, and we go one 0 down, and we're not playing that well. Eduardo bullet header, uh, and then Aaron Ramsey, who I, I always just adored. Vela cuts in from the left-hand side. It, it's very messy, but it makes its way through to Ramsey, who whacks it across the goalkeeper. Sensational finish, and it goes ballistic behind uh, behind uh, uh, behind that goal at Upton Park, where the Arsenal fans were. And it was a real moment where it felt like Ramsey was starting to, to write himself into Arsenal folklore. 
little did we know then what was to to happen and his history with the cup. Um, but I feel like it was set on its path in that game. Yeah, um, I was fortunate enough to be there that day as well. Um, and I can tell you, it did completely go off in the away end. Um, it, the first half was really sort of lacklustre. Um, second half was obviously us chasing the game, trying to turn it around. We played we played a really interesting team that day. I remember a young Jack Wilshire played. I think Fran Marida played. Um, Carlos Vela played. So it was a really sort of rotated Arsenal side. But obviously we found a way to, to win that game. But uh, yeah, one of those um, really epic away days. Uh, I've got to, I've got to be honest. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I remember being envious of you doing that at the time as well. Um, but, but yeah, I just remember I, I watched it in halls on my own, and just it was so, it felt so good when that went in. And I actually think I don't think many people who listen will really get it, <laughs> if I'm honest. No. But also, I, if I look back historically, it did set Aaron Ramsey on a path that would intertwine him with the FA Cup and Arsenal forever. Yeah, yeah, and obviously, as you say, the rest is history in terms of what he what he achieved in the cup. Um, but that was really the starting point, and when we we could really see what a what a special player we had on our hands at that at that point. Um, obviously, later on in the campaign was when he when he unfortunately did that that horrific mm. uh, injury at Stoke. But um, that that season, we just saw what a special talent he was, and I still do wonder about how far he could have gone um, had he not had that injury that year. Because obviously he did go on to recover and, and show himself as a, as a as a top player. But I just I just do question whether if he hadn't lost that year to injury, um, what else might have, had, might have been within his career. Absolutely. I mean, you can actually look at... We could do a, po- a whole podcast about Aaron Ramsey and whether he was mismanaged and whether he should be a club legend and what have you. But I agree. The one thing he had was talent uh, and he scored a lot of great goals for Arsenal. And for me, for me, I'll always, uh, especially after I met him, not long after I did an injury and met him after he'd done his. Uh, I just I love him as a character and I loved him as a player. Um, and it was great to see him. He scored his first goal of the season for Juventus at the this midweek as well. So, uh Good for you, Aaron, is what I'd say. Good for you, Aaron Ramsey. Okay, that brings us nicely on to the end of the podcast. Thank you very much to everyone for listening, as always. And thank you to you, Mr. Grayson, for your time. My pleasure. Pleasure, as always, Mr. Dow. Thank you uh, for your time. And don't forget to enter our shirts giveaway. Um, All you need to do is send your answer to the boysinredpodcast at gmail.com. If you'd like to see what we're doing on social media, then you can follow us on Twitter, Facebook and Instagram um, by searching for the Boys in Red and White podcast. And we also have a website, which is www.theboysinredandwhite.com. So thank you as ever for listening. And we will be back next week with another podcast where we will announce the winner of our shirts giveaway. So look forward to that. Thank you and goodbye.